And Tom, yeah, we're really, really thrilled. Thanks for the big uh, cost of coming up here to do today with us. We're really, really thankful. Happy to do it. Do we say a prayer? Yeah. All right. Lord, we want to say thank you for Tom. We want to say thank you for your word. We want to say thank you that your spirit is here to change us. Lord, we open our hearts for you to change us, and we give you our minds. In Christ's name, amen. amen. All right. Well, I'm just going to finish getting set up here. But if you have a Bible, maybe open it to Luke chapter 14. All right, Luke 14. And hold it there. We're not going to read it just yet, but... Um, We'll get there. It's where you were last night. Matt spoke about it last night. When I heard him doing it, I was like, oh, no, he's stolen my passage. But it was fine. We're not saying the same thing. Okay. Are we ready? Great. Oh, actually, I'll just we'll put my phone there so I can just check how popular I am. No, I've got a timer to make sure I don't go forever and then we miss lunch and everyone will be upset with me. Okay, here we go. So, <clears throat> I am someone who is a quitter. I'm regularly, regularly quitting things. Like I have uh, Instagram accounts where I had this great idea for a funny Instagram account. I'd start it, then, it, then I stopped. Or blogs where I like, got a funny blog idea. I'd write a few blog posts and then start it and then disappear. I'd stop doing it. One of the things I regularly quit is getting huge, like huge muscles. Like that's been my dream since I was very, very young. When I was a kid, like I thought Superman was the best. I still think Superman is the best, actually. He's my favorite of the superheroes. But I wanted to be huge like Superman. And so I kept coming up with schemes to become huge like Superman. I tried uh, lifting weights of um, baked bean tins. But it turns out baked bean tins are not that heavy, so I gave up on that. And then when I was five, I, was, I realized that actually the people who are often really muscly are ballet dancers. And so I was like, I'm going to become a ballet dancer because if I become a ballet dancer, I'm going to get muscles because I lift ballerinas in the air. I'm going to do that. So I went to ballet classes and I did my first two weeks and then my teacher left for no apparent reason. Maybe it was me. I don't know. Not sure. And then a new teacher came in and she said, I'm going to teach you tap dancing. And I'm like, tap dancing is not ballet and I have not seen a single buff tap dancer in my life. I cannot see a clear path from tap dancing to Superman, so I quit. And that was the end of my ballet career. Um, many years later, I decided that actually I would go the more conventional route and go to the gym. So I went to the gym, and I turned up, and I found a personal trainer. His name was Ben, and, I, and Ben was like, what would you like, Tom? And I was like, I want to be, be buff. And he was like, like me? And I was like, yeah, like you. And he was like, you can't. I was like, oh, Okay. He's like, it's too much work. Don't bother. I was like, all right. He's like, but I'll teach you a few things. So he told me how to lift some weights and run on some things and, you know, ride some things. So I, was like, I did it. And then I walked home from the gym feeling huge. I walked home like this. And then the next day I went back to the gym and uh, everything was a lot harder. The weights were heavier and the bike was harder to ride. Everything hurt more. I was like, this isn't what's meant to happen. I'm meant to get stronger, not weaker. But then I went back a third time because I persevere and, uh, and I lifted some more things and it was still hard. And I was like, I'm not improving at all. And then when I was walking home, it was dark and I stepped in a puddle and there was mud. 
and I got mud on my shoes. So then when it was time to go to the gym for the fourth time, I was like, I should go to the gym. And I was like, oh, but there's mud on my shoes. I guess I can't go to the gym. And I've never been back. And as you can see, I'm still not huge. But one day, in the new creation, I will be huge. I'm pretty sure resurrection bodies come with abs. So I'm excited about that. I I tell you this because uh, we're thinking today and this week about what it means to follow Jesus. And, you know, it's really easy to start following Jesus. And it's great. It's great to start following Jesus. And there are places like this when you come to Soul Survivor where it's easy to follow Jesus because you're here and you're surrounded by a bunch of people who love Jesus and worship Jesus together. And it feels great and you have fun. But following Jesus isn't just a thing that you, you start doing. It's something that you keep doing. It's, you, can, you don't want to just start a life of following Jesus. You want to finish your life following Jesus. And so the question is, do you have what it takes to be someone who follows through? Do you have what it takes to be someone who doesn't just start following Jesus but finishes their life following Jesus? Because Jesus doesn't want, just want people who start. He wants people who finish as well. And so that's why we're looking at uh, this passage in Luke 14. And we're going to start at verse 25. It says this, A large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Oh, I'm going to drink some water and then we'll keep going. Unless this is like really sexy. And then it doesn't matter actually because I'm married. <clears throat> Did that work? Yeah, it seems to work. All right, let's go. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for the terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So what Jesus is saying here is saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to figure out how much it costs. And then once you've figured out how much it costs, then you've got to figure out if you can afford it. Can you pay that cost? And if you can't afford it, then don't bother starting. If you're not going to finish following Jesus, don't start following Jesus. You've got to count the cost before you start following him. Now that seems pretty harsh. Like Jesus doesn't seem like a particularly good evangelist there. Like Like the other night, there was an opportunity for people to become Christian, which is great. I wasn't here. I couldn't see it. It wasn't on the live stream, so I don't know what happened. But I've been to a lot of them in my life. Some of them are better than others. Sometimes there'll be someone who gets up the front and says, if anyone wants to become a Christian, I would come on down the front. And then there'll be someone, you know, there playing the keys, making sure that everyone knows that this is the time to come down the front. They're feeling it. And then, you know, maybe not many people come down the front. So the person will be like, oh, I want more people. Like if anyone, you know 
really just is feeling like they want to follow Jesus, but are not quite sure, come down the front. And then a few more people come in front. It's like, if anyone knows how to spell Jesus, come down the front. Like, if anyone can draw a picture of Jesus, come down the front. If anyone knows anyone down the front, come down the front. And then by the end, everyone's down the front. And then they're like, you're all in the kingdom of heaven. Congratulations. Angels are celebrating. Hey! And then everyone's clapping. Going, we don't know why we're clapping. But, but people make it really easy to get into God's kingdom. But Jesus is making it really, really hard. He's being a terrible evangelist here. He's like, you want to follow me? Well, you can't. It's really hard. Like, look at what he says at the beginning. He says, if you want to follow him, you've got to hate your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Like, that's pretty rough. And like, you know, Matt said last night, it's not that you, you know, you actually have to go home from Soul Survivor and be like, Mom, Dad, I hate you. And they were like, can you please do the washing up? No, I can't. Jesus said so. You're the worst. Bye-bye. It's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is that your love for him has to be so great that everything else, every other love looks like hate compared to your commitment to Jesus. You've got to love him so much that you are willing even to give up your own life for him. You're willing to die for him. And if you're not willing to do that, then don't bother starting because Jesus doesn't just want starters, he wants finishers. And that's why he goes on uh, to talk about uh, building a tower. Uh, He says, you know, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? He's saying you figure out if you have what it takes to follow him because if you don't, then you will start following him and you will not finish and your unfinished commitment to him will just be a monument to your inability to get things done. Uh, The street that I moved into a few years ago, at the end of the street, there was a block of land. And, uh, and they cleared the block of land just after I moved in and they started putting in foundations and they started building these luxury apartments. And I think I've got a photo of the luxury apartments. There they are. This is what they look like. Uh, they bought the land for $2.5 million and they were going to sell each apartment for over a million each. So they're going to make a bit of money on this, uh, this, this nice development. And so over the years, uh, we would walk past and we would watch And it had happened in like stops and starts. There'd be people on site and they'd be building. And then for a few weeks, they'd disappear. And then they'd come back again. They'd build it more and they'd disappear. And eventually they got to the point where they had a whole uh, structure built. They had, you know, a wooden frame and it went up two stories in the air. It was looking impressive. And then it just stopped. And we saw nothing happen for months at a time. And then it started to rot. And then it started to fall apart. And then we saw workers on site again after about two more years. And then they started pulling the whole thing down. And in the end, now this is what it looks like. There it is. That's, that's the luxury apartments. And every time we walk past, it's a monument to this developer who did not know, whether the, who did not have what it takes to finish what they started. And it just sits there. And, we, and every time we look at it, I look at it and go, I'm never getting that guy to build my house. He's rubbish. And this is what happens if you start following Jesus, but you do not finish, your life will look like that. So Jesus is saying, figure out whether you have what it takes to follow him. Figure out whether you're willing to pay the cost because it is going to cost you. It'll cost you in your relationships with your friends. It'll cost you in your relationships with your family. It'll cost you in the decisions that you make about who you date and who you marry or who you don't date and who you don't marry or whether you do it at all. 
It'll cost you in your career choices. It'll cost you in your money. It may cost you your life. Are you willing to pay that cost? If you don't think you can do it, don't bother starting. Because Jesus wants finishers, not just starters. When I was in year nine, I was on a camp. We don't have to have that anymore. Um, I was on a camp, and the speaker, she stood at the front, and she said, look around. In 10 years' time, only 10% of you will still be Christians. I was like, oh, goodness. That's not good. So I thought, well, I don't want that to be me. So I went home, and I just thought, what am I going to do? And I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to... I'm going to make myself a sign. So I made a sign. I sat down with some whiteboard markers that I found around the house, and I got a piece of paper, and I wrote, where will you be in 2007? Because I was in year nine in 1997, which was a long time ago. I know. And so I wrote it down, and then I stuck it on the back of the toilet door so that, you know, when I went to the toilet once a day, except for bad days, multiple times a day, I would see it there, and I'll be reminded that that there was a challenge to me to keep following Jesus. And day in, day out, I need to keep following Jesus because following Jesus is not just a thing that you do at big events like this. And it's not just a thing that you do on Sundays or at youth group. It's a thing that you do day in, day out. And I wanted to be committed. I wanted to be in that 10% that keeps following Jesus. And after 10 years, I was able to look back at that sign and say, I'm still following Jesus. I was working in a church. I was helping young people get to know Jesus. It wasn't because of that sign. It wasn't a magical sign, but it was a good reminder to me that I needed to stick with Jesus day in, day out. And so the challenge is there for you. Are you going to be someone who keeps following Jesus, who is willing to stick out following him day in, day out? Are you willing to pay that cost? Because it's really easy at places like this to follow Jesus. And you know what it's like. If you've been to Soul Survivor before or other Christian camps, or you've had these great experiences, you come home from camp, and you're like, I'm going to be the best Christian ever. It's going to be great. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to read my Bible every day, and I'm going to go to church every Sunday, I'm going to go to youth group every Friday, and I'm going to to pray all the time, and I'm going to go to my lunchtime Christian group at school, and I'm going to be really nice to my parents, and I'm going to be really nice to my brother and sister, and when I'm old enough, I'm going to get myself a tattoo. It's going to be a tattoo on my back, a big one, of me and Jesus and Justin Bieber holding hands under a rainbow. That's what I'm going to do. That's how committed to Jesus I am. And you're so on fire for him, you're ready, and then you go home, and as soon as you get home, mum and dad are annoying. And your, and your brother or sister get on your nerves and, and your, your Bible never makes it out of your bag and it stays at the bottom of your bag. And you realize you haven't lived up to the goal that you had for yourself. My guess is you know what that's like. So the question is, how is it that you keep following Jesus? How is it that you do the day in, day out of, of obedience to Jesus? And it's not glamorous, I promise you that. Uh, We've been thinking uh, this week uh, about what it means uh, to be a follower of Jesus, and you've been looking at Mark chapter 1, living in kind of Mark area. And uh, in Mark chapter 1, we see what Jesus does so that he can keep obedience to his Father. We see in Mark chapter 1, 35 to 39, you can look it up if you want, or you can hear me say it, and trust me, I'm not making it up says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, 
And when they found him, they explained, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus knew that the way that he kept at it was by spending time with his father. It wasn't glamorous. It was just spending time in prayer. It was spending time investing in his relationship with his father so that when when trouble came, when he was tempted, that he had his relationship that he could draw on because he couldn't do it by himself. I'm going to give you a little piece of life advice. It's really important. This is, this is some financial advice. And if you ever want financial advice, you should definitely talk to a youth minister. They, they know a lot about money because they have so little of it. If you ever want to buy something big, you need a big amount of money. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can, you can take that all the way to the bank. But the way that you get a large amount of money is it doesn't just turn up. As much as you want it to, large amounts of money do not just turn up. And if they do, it's probably crime involved and you shouldn't, shouldn't get into that. No, the way you get it is you save money up. Little by little, bit by bit, you save money up. And that's how you have enough money to spend on big things. It took me a while to learn that. Like, for, for most of my life, I, my pay would come in and I'd be like, quick, I better spend it before it all goes. And so you laugh. But when I first said that, I, everyone laughed. I was like, why are you laughing? That's totally the way it works. I, now I understand. But the way that you, you have money for when things go wrong, when life gets tough, is you save money up. Uh, a little while ago, I was unemployed for a few months. I had no job. And so I had no money. And the reason why my wife and I survived is because we'd saved money. It wasn't glamorous. We just put money aside. And then when I had no job and no money coming in, we had money we could draw on. Now, this is dull financial discussion, and that's not why you came to Soul Survivor. But here's my point. If you, if, you put, if you invest in your relationship with God, then when hard times come, when temptation comes, you'll have something to draw on. And you do that by the unglamorous work of spending time with God and spending time with his people. You say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to spend time reading my Bible. In the mornings, I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible. Or when I'm in the bus on the way to school, I'm going to read my Bible. Or when I'm at home before I go to sleep, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to spend time because when you read your Bible, it's not that it makes you a good Christian. It's just how you hear from God, how he speaks to you through his word. And I'm going to spend time in prayer. Because not only do I want to hear from him, I want to be in a relationship with him. I want to talk to him. I want him to talk to me. So you pray and you read your Bible. It's not glamorous, but it's what works. And I'm going to spend time with his people. So you spend time at church and you spend time at youth group, not because it's always amazing. Youth group and church is not going to feel like Soul Survivor. Sometimes it's going to be boring. Sometimes the people there are going to be annoying. But you do it because it's the people of God who are around you, who look after you, and help you to keep going, going well with Jesus. And you say, I'm going to serve him. Because when you invest in God's kingdom, then you are committed to it. And you're committed to him. And as you do these things, you are making little investments in your relationship. You're saving. So that when hard times come, you have something to draw down. On. You say, I know what it means to follow Jesus in the hard times because I've been doing it all the other times. 
I know that Jesus is faithful because I've, I've been reading about it every day in his word. I know that God loves me because I can talk to him and I talk to him all the time. I have that relationship with him. I know that I'm not alone because God has given me a family and I'm with them day in and day out. The way that you keep following Jesus is by doing the small things day in, day out. It's not about the big acts of obedience that look amazing. It's about the small things. And as you do those small things, then you will see that day in, day out, you are being obedient to Jesus. But if you do not do them, I can guarantee you that you will stop following Jesus. If you stop going to church, if you stop hanging out with other Christians, you will not keep following Jesus. It's just a fact. And you can try and prove me wrong. No, don't try and prove me wrong. Just keep it. That's how you do it. That's how you pay the cost. And you'll be able to pay the price. You'll be able to build that tower. You'll be able to see it through. It's been my experience, actually, that it's not 10% of people who keep following Jesus. I've been doing youth ministry a long time, but it, it looks to be about 50% is my experience. That's just anecdotally from what I've looked at. Why don't we be the group that is not the 50% group, but we are the 100% group? Why don't you come and find me in 2031 and say, I did it. I stuck at it. I'm still following Jesus. You can, you know... Make a sign and put it on your toilet door or you can put a reminder in your phone every day or you can stick, I don't know, whatever you want to do to make yourself stick at it. And then find me in 10 years' time and say, I'm still going with Jesus. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook or, I don't know, like telepathy through the thing that I got from my COVID-19 injection from Bill Gates, whatever it is. Let me know because I want to know that you're still walking with Jesus. Prove the statistic wrong. Be the 100% that keeps going. You can do it. You don't do it alone. You do it with God as your father, with Jesus as your brother, with the spirit inside you, and with the people of God as his family. And if you have that around you, you can do it. You don't just have to be starters. You can be finishers. And so we get to the next bit of the passage. And uh, this, is, uh, this is the last bit. It says this from verse 31, Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation with the other while the other is still a long way off and will ask for the terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. What Jesus is saying here is similar to the first bit. If you don't think you can finish it, don't start it. If you don't think you can finish the war, if you don't think you can win the war, don't start the war. You know, when I was uh, in year six, my parents, uh, they said to me, you are now allowed to go out by yourself to, the, to do whatever you want. Maybe not whatever you want, but uh, to, to go and have fun with your friends. And I was like, great, that's great. And so my friends and I, we would regularly go on trips to the city. We'd jump on the train I grew up in Sydney. We'd jump on the train. We'd go to the cinemas at George Street and we'd watch a movie and then we'd eat some Maccas and then we'd come home. Or sometimes we'd eat some Maccas and then we'd watch a movie and then we'd come home. We were, we were pretty crazy. We'd always mix things up. And when I was in year seven, uh, I, was, I went with one of my friends from school and uh, we were, we'd gone to the movies and we were, we'd had Maccas beforehand. It was one of those days. And we were walking back 
uh, towards the, the train station. You know, you walk up George Street and there's like KFC on the corner, if you know it. Uh, we're walking up that way. And uh, as we were walking, these two guys walking the other way, one of them bumped into me. And I looked around and it was like these older guys that were probably like in year 10 or something. They were much bigger than me. And I looked at them. My other friend didn't notice. He just kept walking. And, uh, and the guy looks at me and goes, you want to fight? And I looked him up and down. I looked at myself. And I was like, no. And he said, you got any money? I was like, yes. I was like, give it to me. I was like, okay. So I pulled out my wallet. And it was like a little Velcro wallet. It was pretty cool. Like, and then I, and I unzipped the, the coin pouch and I gave him 70 cents. It was like, is that it? I was like, no. So then I handed over $5 and that was it. And he was like, is that everything? And I was like, yes. And he was like, you can go. And I was like, thank you. And then I left. And as I was walking away, there was this big guy who was, who was wearing a shirt and it said on it, Sydney Ninja Academy. And I was like, oh, it's a ninja. And he said, do those guys just mug you? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay. And then he walked off. And I was like, what? You're a ninja. Go and get them. And then I got to, got to the, the corner at the lights and my friend was standing there. I was like, where did you go? And I was like, oh, I just got mugged. He was like, let's go to the police. I was like, no, nah, it's $5.70. <laughs> and what happened in that situation is, is I was confronted by these guys and I, there was a fight in front of me and I weighed up whether I could win. And I was like, these guys are big. They're stronger than me. They're, I haven't even done ballet. I don't think I can take these guys on. Like the only fight I'd been in in my life was when I was like five years old and I got into a fight with my best friend and I punched him in the face and both of us cried. So there was, I was not going to win that fight. And so I knew that the best thing for me to do would be to pay the money, and that's the way I would get out of the fight. And what Jesus is saying here is saying, if you are confronted with a fight, make sure you can win it before you start it. And if you can't win it, don't start it. And what's interesting, though, is that the Bible tells us a story about a king, and that's the king of the whole universe. And we have gotten ourselves into a fight with him. He didn't try and start a fight with us, but we got into a fight with him. And you might not feel like you're in a fight with God, but you know, when you rebel against him and you say, I want to be in charge, not him, then you're trying to kick him off the throne and put yourself on that throne, and you are going to war against God. The problem is, if you go to war against God, I don't want to hurt your feelings here, but between you and God, my money's on God. He's going to win that fight. And so how then do you solve that problem? Well, the Bible teaches us that, that peace has been made for us on our behalf. That there is a price for peace. There is a surrender that has been paid. And that was the son of the king. And he came and he gave his life for us. And he died on our behalf so that he would make peace between us and God. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that Jesus is our peace. And he has made peace for us, between us and God, so that God no longer has to be our enemy, but he can be our father. And so the cost of getting that peace is your life. And not your life like God is going to kill you, but your life that you give your life to him. You surrender your life to him, and now you live for him. 
And as you live for him, he fills you with his spirit. He welcomes you into his family. You are now on God's team, and he gives you what you need to make it through to the end. And so here we have these two pictures. There's the tower that you could start, and if you're going to start it, make sure you can finish it. And if you're going to finish it, you can, but you need to be committed. Committed to the day in, day out of following Jesus. The unglamorous things of praying, reading your Bible, spending time with God's people, loving others, serving in his kingdom. And that will give you what you need as you do these things with the strength of God in you by his Holy Spirit. It will give you what you need to follow through. Or the other option is you can go to war against God and you will lose. But peace has been made for you by Jesus Christ if you are willing to give your life to him. You have everything you need to keep following him. You have peace with God through Jesus. You have strength in his spirit. You have his people around you. You can do it. Jesus wants finishers, not just starters. And you can be finishers if you take hold of all that God offers you and you say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow him for the next 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, and 250 years, because medical technology is amazing, or Jesus will come back, whatever comes first, you stick with Jesus, and you will see that you have what it takes to make it through, if you will commit yourself to King. Are you willing to do that? That's the challenge of following Him. It will cost you. It will cost you everything you have. But you will gain a whole lot more than you have given. If you are a Christian, then the challenge of this is to say, I am someone who has started. And so I'm someone who's going to see it all the way through. I'm going to take hold of what I've been given. I'm going to take hold of the promises of God. I'm going to live in the power of the Spirit. I'm going to live in God's Word, in prayer, with His people, serving in His kingdom. And I will see it through to the end by the power of God in me. You can do it because God has given you what you You can be finishers if you will commit yourself to him. And if you are not a Christian, then the challenge for you is do what do you want to do? Are you willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to pay the cost of giving up your your desires, your hopes, your dreams, and handing them over to Jesus and letting him give you something better in return? Or will you try and go it alone? Will you go to war against the king of this universe and see who wins? Know that Jesus has given his life for you. He has made peace for you so you might live for him and live for him forever. Commit yourself to him and he will help you see it through to the end. Let's be people who aren't just finishing. Starters. That was going to be a great last line. Let's be people who aren't just starters, but we are finishers too in the power of Jesus. I'm going to pray for us and then Matt's going to come. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he showed us what it was like to run the race faithfully, to finish uh, with faithfulness. We thank you that where he has gone before us, we can follow him. We thank you that you have given us everything we need to keep following you, and so I pray that we will. I pray that we will be 100% committed to you. Pray that we will be able to say in 2031, we're still at it. 
we'll be able to say we're still at it till the end of our lives because we are committed to you. I pray for the strength for each person here that they will have what it takes to follow you day in, day out. And I pray for those who have not yet given their life to you that they will weigh the cost and they'll see that the cost, while it is high, it is better to pay to give their life to you than to lose it by going to war against you. Thank you that Jesus has already given his life on our behalf so that we do not need to give it up. We thank you 